Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 16th, 2017. On today's show, we'll be diving into the water cooler, talking about the Defiant Ones, an It Haunted House in Hollywood, and Pokemon Go. In the news, we're going to be talking about X-Men, Dark Phoenix, Samuel Jackson's future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ozark Season 2, Movie Pass, James Bond, Gremlins 3, and Louis C.K.'s secret film. And in the mailbag, we'll be attempting to answer the question of movies that we like, but we wish were better. Uh, on today's show, I have with me Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Brad Oman. Hello! Guys, we're here by the water cooler. It's it's right next to me. So I thought I'd, I'd start talking about what, what I did over the weekend, and that was binge-watching The Defiant Ones, uh, the miniseries on HBO. It's, it's a docu- series or docu i guess it's a documentary miniseries and it follows uh dr dre and uh jimmy ivine the record producer the two two guys that basically created uh beats the headphones beats uh which were obviously purchased by apple for i think three billion dollars or something insane um the uh the documentary i think it's like four episodes long it's not something I thought I was going to want to see because I'm not a big uh, 
you know, rap, hip hop movie fan. Uh, you know, I like Dr. Dre and I, uh, have seen straight out of Compton. And so I kind of know his story, but the story that was more interesting to me in this documentary miniseries is Jimmy Iovine. Cause I really didn't know his story. This like, uh, record producer that came from nothing and basically you know is now on top of the world like he's been involved in so many great albums from great artists and uh even if you don't like music this is like just from a business perspective in an interesting uh you know rise into uh stardom or into you know influencing popular culture perspective it's mm-hmm. it's a great uh series and obviously like and it, it starts heavy with uh, the beginning scene starts with basically that beat steel leaking before it was signed by uh, this video from um, Tyrese, of all people, who, oh, wow. who, who was hanging out with Dr. Dre and it, the controversy that that caused. But these guys are, you know, obviously people that never did things the way that, you know, they were sh- should be done, always doing things the way you know, in unique in their own way, and um, I think it's something that everybody I think would get a kick out of. So see, check that out, the Defiant Ones on HBO. Ben, what have you been up to? Uh, so on Sunday night, uh, right in the middle of Twin Peaks and Game of Thrones, I took a break from that and went over to the corner of Hollywood and Vine to experience uh, what they're calling the It Experience Nebolt House Hollywood, which is this super elaborate recreation of the house that's going to be appearing in the upcoming movie adaptation of Stephen King's It. This thing is really, really impressive. Um, I've cut together a video of some footage and stuff that I shot there on the scene, and um, I show a little bit of what happens inside the haunted house experience. I tried to keep that part to a minimum just for the people who are actually going to be able to go and check it out. Uh, This thing came online, like tickets became available and within a matter of hours, because it's a free event in Los Angeles, it's sold out or basically like all of the spots were booked up because again, it's free. But uh, I talked to people there and they said that they are going to be accepting walk-ups. So if anybody is in LA between now and September 10th, that's when this thing is going to be open. I would encourage you to stop by that corner and go check it out. If you can, they are going to be um, sort of slotting people in if other people don't show up or whatever, if they have um, some free slots in there. But for me, it, um, Again, you can sort of watch the video and really get a sense of how impressive this thing looks. The the house looks exactly like it does in the movies, uh, the trailers and stuff. Anyway, I haven't seen the movie yet. But um, the tiny details are the best part of this thing. It's sort of like the Haunted Mansion at Disney World or Disneyland where it's like it's not super scary. Um, but I was way more impressed than terrified with the experience overall just because of how much time and effort they put into setting the stage and and really um the production design is like the most amazing thing about the whole thing so uh yeah i would just recommend if you're in the hollywood area between now and september 10th try to go check it out yeah and i would say check out ben's video on slashfilm.com it's it's impressively shot and uh, you 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 mention it in the video but this is basically a location that's just usually a parking lot and they have yeah. transformed within a week into this haunted house uh, I was a little disappointed that it is not going to be a haunted house at 
Universal Studios Hollywood Horror Nights because I feel like yeah. that would be a perfect promotional opportunity to explain. Yeah, and they can time it better to the release of the movie because the movie comes out on September 8th. So, so it'll be open for like a couple days after the movie is out for those who are around there. For sure. I remember last year at Comic-Con, I was with Brad Omen and he everywhere. He was pulling out his phone trying to catch Pokemon. This year, not so much. But I hear Brad has caught the Pokemon bug once again. Brad, how did the app crack pull you back in? I mean, I've caught a lot of bugs because there's a lot of bug Pokemon. That's just <laughs> what you do. Yes. Um, no, yeah, I, I wasn't playing it much uh, at Comic-Con this year, mostly because I, I was too busy and I was kind of conserving phone battery. And it, uh, it kind of became a little bit stagnant. During that time, there wasn't anything super exciting going on. They, they had just revamped the gyms, but it wasn't anything that I was particularly interested in. But then the same weekend that Comic-Con was happening, Pokemon Go Fest was happening in Chicago. And uh, it was absolutely... Wait, there's, kind of a, a, there's a convention for Pokemon Go? This was the first one that they had. And it was a special event where like you paid for tickets, and, and they had like a certain area where there was going to be rare Pokemon spawning. And they were also announcing... the They were having a competition for whichever teams caught the most uh, Pokemon during the festival, that their team's legendary Pokemon would be the first one released to the, the game to the rest of the public. Pokemon Go Fest itself was kind of a disaster. Um, <laughs> there, there was a lot of tech sites that were writing about it. Like the, they had, the game kept crashing. The servers apparently somehow were not prepared for the amount of traffic they were getting. Like You can go find a video online of like the worst moments of Pokemon Go where like people are booing and they're chanting we can't fucking play and stuff like that. It was it was embar- embarrassing, but like they made up for it by refunding everybody's tickets and they like extended the the gameplay for all the rare Pokemon in Chicago for a couple days after the festival and everything. So now that that's over, they've they've had um, some other events going on. They have right now they have a festival that's happening in Japan and but anyway, after Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago happened, they started releasing the legendary Pokemon uh, each week that you can now get at the gyms by participating in uh, what are raid boss fights. And basically what you do is you get a bunch of people together at the gyms wherever there's a raid going on and you all cooperate to take down a big Pokemon. And then at the very end, you get a chance to catch it. And so this includes Pokemon, the Articuno, uh, Zapdos, Moltres, uh, Lugia and so like these big boss Pokemon you play to catch and this has been really fun and I didn't get to do this much before until I accidentally stumbled upon a group that was doing a raid together and I found out that there's like a little community in my town that they have a, like a WhatsApp where they all uh, talk and plan like what time to go and do certain raids and so I've been getting back into it and I've been uh, catching some of the legendary Pokemon now. What's interesting thing is that this Pokemon Go app is based on this Google app called Ingress. Uh, that was previously, and basically, that the whole point of that app was getting together with other people to take down these like stations around the world. Um, so it's interesting that they're now incorporating that in Pokemon Go. But uh, that, that's interesting because now it's becoming more of a community experience than just single player, right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's been it's been really fun lately, and uh, it's it's actually pretty challenging to catch the legendary Pokemon. Like uh, I've I've been with groups that we, and we've defeated, you know, plenty of them, but catching them can be really difficult because they have uh, a very high CP and you only get a certain number of balls based on how you perform during the raid battle to catch it. Um, and they're they can be very difficult to catch. I've I've only caught five legendary Pokemon so far. 
Okay, guys, follow me into the newsroom. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Ben, you wrote in this article on the site about X-Men Dark Phoenix. They may have cast Paper Town's actress as Dazzler. What do we know? Yes, uh, actress Halston Sage, who has been in movies like The Bling Ring, Paper Towns, The First Time, Goosebumps, Neighbors, a bunch of stuff. But she's basically played really so ba- small basically roles nothing and- that you have seen. Well, you know, movies that uh, that are like decent. I mean, a lot of people saw Neighbors, but I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about Halston Sage, the actress, because she's most throughout most of her career so far just been playing, you know, sort of super, super supporting roles. Um, the there's this uh, website called Omega Underground that says that Sage has been cast as Dazzler in uh, Simon Kinberg's upcoming X-Men Dark Phoenix. Uh, Dazzler is a pop star in the X-Men universe who is also a mutant who can like change sound waves into light energy, <laughs> some sort of weird. Her character is super weird and I think was actually invented as like a cross promotion with a record company. So it's like there's a lot of weird history oh, wow. going on there, as is typical for a lot of the X-Men, uh, you know, backstories. But um yeah, we, we know that Dazzler is going to be in this movie. She was teased in X-Men Apocalypse, but didn't end up showing up in that film. Um, so we know that Dazzler has a small role in this movie. And and the character of Dazzler actually has a small part in the Dark Phoenix storyline in the comics. So it makes sense that she would be in it. Um, basically, the article I wrote just sort of uh, gathers a bunch of evidence of why Halston Sage is going to be playing Dazzler in this film. Um, she hasn't been officially announced yet by the studio, but there's a lot of evidence, which you can read in the article, that points to her um, being the person to play Dazzler. Ultimately, I think when this whole thing is over, uh, Dazzler is not going to be that big of a, a role in this movie. As the title indicates, this is probably going to be much more about Jean Grey and uh, Sophie Turner, who plays Jean Grey, her story. Um, but yeah, interesting for uh, for the hardcore Dazzler fans out there. So, so, so she's going to continue to have a supporting role <laughs> in movies. Uh, yeah i believe so hopefully yeah. you know it'll be enough where she can actually make an impression um and that's not i mean it's not really her fault it's just yeah, yeah. the roles that she's been given so far i haven't really left much of an impact on me brad samuel jackson is one of the only actors that probably won't be in avengers infinity war or avengers 4 what do we know yeah i mean uh looks like Samuel Jackson hasn't gotten the call to appear in the next two Avengers movies, and he definitely didn't get the call while Black Panther was in production. And since that's now in post-production, uh, it seems like the best that they would be able to do to bring him into that movie would be to shoot some kind of credit scene with him. But and you know, knowing Marvel, unless the story calls for it, they're probably not going to figure out a way to shoehorn him in there just because Samuel Jackson was playfully annoyed that he's uh, one of the few black actors who isn't getting called in to do a role in Black Panther. As for the Avengers movies, uh, it, there's probably more of an opportunity to fit Sam Jackson into the proceeding somehow. I don't think he'll show up in Infinity War. Yeah, they, they, but, just, they finished shooting that a few weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah, yeah it's, I think they just finished last month, and they just started Avengers 4, so there's plenty of time for them to get Samuel Jackson uh, in to shoot a role for that. You would think that they would have let him know so they could bring him in and have his like schedule available for a certain part, but considering the number of people that are in here, I'm sure that if he's in it, it would be a small amount of time that would be required of him to shoot. Um, and then even so, you know, it's uh, they could easily 
you know, have a, something that's shot in post-production and a reshoot if it's just a cameo, which, you know, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe was kicked off by a Samuel L. Jackson cameo in the credit scene of Iron Man. Yeah. So that that wouldn't be a surprise. If anything, I, I hope that they figure out a way to get him in there simply because, I mean, he is the guy who kicked off, you know, the entire MCU by asking Tony Stark to beca- become the Avengers Initiative, even though it didn't become exactly what he thought it would be. Um, now, there, I, I, I have an interesting thought in mind since it's been announced that Samuel Jackson uh, will be co-starring in Captain Marvel with Brie Larson, a movie that will also introduce the scrolls to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Part of me wonders if we'll get the revelation in that movie that the iteration of Nick Fury that we know is maybe a scroll. Um, it would be kind of interesting if we find out, you know, the reason that he ha- only has, you know, one eye or whatever is because maybe like inside that eye you can like see that he's an alien or something like that. Huh. But but then again, I'm I'm not entirely sure how the scrolls function as um, a species because you would think that there would have been a time that people would have noticed that he was an alien, especially in Captain America Winter Soldier when he almost gets killed uh, by being yeah. taken out by, by some pretty high caliber ammunition by the Winter Soldier. So unless that they can change their anatomy to make it look like they aren't alien in any way, I'm not sure that, that he would have been able to keep that a secret. But it would be an interesting twist if that were the case. The thing is, the scheduling for Infinity War and Avengers 4, I remember talking to Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, and he said, you know, one day there could be a book written about the schedule, the trouble that they had to go through to schedule and make that movie. Uh, so I don't think if he I think if he had a role in this movie that wasn't invented for reshoots or something he would know about it at this point well well uh, i don't know because, because i mean you have to remember uh he he wasn't aware of the fact that he was going to be in captain marvel when the rumor came out and he didn't even know that he was going to be nick fury with two eyes until the announcement came at comic-con so it doesn't seem like yeah. they're really keeping him in the loop when it comes to what's going on with this character <laughs> maybe they just know know that they can get samuel jackson anytime they need him uh, um, Ozark is a show on Netflix launched just a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a show I've been watching. I binged my way through it. Have either of you seen Ozark? No, it's I watched the next. Netflix. Yeah, next thing on my list. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. Jason Bateman uh, stars and produced it, and he directed I think the first two episodes, the last two episodes. Uh, Netflix has just announced uh, in quick order that Ozark season two is going to happen. Um, the show I would describe as Breaking Bad meets Justified. So if you have seen either of those shows or both of those shows and you like both those shows, you'll probably like Ozark. Uh, it's highly recommended by me. It's not perfect, but it's very good. And um, it definitely sets up a second season that uh, is going to be probably different than the first season, which I like when TV shows do that. Uh, so I- I'm excited about that. What also I'm excited about, Brad is movie pass is the thing i used to have in the past uh it's this card service that lets you go see as many movies as you want one a day uh for a subscription price and at the i think last i heard it was like 50 or 60 or 70 bucks in la i, I didn't have it uh when it changed their prices but they just announced that it the price is going to be dropping to 9.99 a month what do we know yeah it's so ever since its inception in 2011 it's uh, movie pass has kind of changed how it operates. You know, uh, when it first started, they were very loose as far as the unlimited movies were concerned. 
uh, it didn't matter what time of day you were going to see a movie. You could just see it as long as, you know, you were there at the location and checking in. Then they introduced this 24-hour thing where you, if you saw a movie at 7 o'clock on a Thursday, you couldn't see a movie again until after 7 o'clock on Friday, which was kind of annoying for users who were, you know, pulling off double features by seeing a movie uh, like a late show and then catching the midnight show for the next movie or something like that. So that, that was very frustrating. And then just last year, they introduced a new pricing tier where you could play, pay different amounts depending on if you wanted to pay a certain amount for a fixed number of movies or a higher amount for unlimited movies. And depending on where you live, the pricing tier could have been higher. Like you said, in Los Angeles, it sounds like it was much more expensive for you. For me here in the Midwest, where I, I don't live in the um, you know Chicago city limits, I live in Northwest Indiana, it was much cheaper. I, I've been paying $35 a month. But now, uh, they're completely changing their model. And now, no matter where you live, you get to pay $10 a month, and you can see one movie every day, just no IMAX or 3D movies. This is really cool because it's the cheapest movie pass has ever been, and I think it's a great. It's going to be a great way to get more people to finally take notice and take advantage of the service. Because, but even how, if you, how is this profitable for them? Like this seems like a losing gig because in LA, a movie ticket to a 2D movie is more money than 9.99. So if I use yeah, it once sure, a month, sure. I'm saving money. So the way it's it's explained uh, in in this article, and it's there's some business stuff here, is that so MoviePass just got bought by this company called uh, Helios and Matheson Analytics Inc., and they're putting uh, throwing a lot of money at MoviePass because their the intention is to build the customer base, so and so that they can also use this as a way to mine. Uh, the users for information about viewing habits and opportunities for future marketing potentials and, and things like that. And then the hope for MoviePass as a company is that they want to show the movie theater chains that they can help build their customer customer base by offering the subscription service and getting people into theaters to um, spend money on concessions because that's where the bread and butter is for movie theaters. Most movie the- or all, The way movie theaters operate is uh, you're giving most of your ticket price to back to the the distributor when you're selling a ticket you you get barely any money the first week of release and you get a little bit more as time goes on but movie movie theaters make their money from concessions and so if people are going to see movies more often than they are now and as we've seen attendance has been low because of high ticket prices then the movie theaters will see that they're seeing an increase in their attendance because of movie pass and movie pass is hoping to be able to strike some kind of deal for the profits that will come from getting people into movie theaters again See, that's smart because you're essentially getting this credit card from MoviePass to buy these tickets. You have to do this thing with the app, and it's a little complicated, but uh, that's essentially what's happening. And I would assume now that this is $9.99, and if everybody jumps on board this, if a movie theater chain like AMC sees that they're selling you know, uh, $10 million worth of tickets each week to people from a MoviePass account then now MoviePass can be like, let's buy the tickets for cheaper from you. Do you know what I mean? And it becomes yeah. uh, a, a thing. So that, that that seems smart. I'm not. I'm, I'm still skeptical that this is going to last. Uh, I don't think MoviePass as a company has planned things out quite that much because I've tried to sign up for MoviePass today when they announced this, and their website has been down all day. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it says because I, I went to it earlier, and it was it, at the very least it was up and running. But maybe they're just I don't know. Maybe they're getting like high volume today with the new change and everything. 
for sure. I, I just don't think they were, they were prepared for the, the onslaught. But uh, this is something to watch. I, I, I definitely want to uh, try this out, and I, I'm sure either you or someone will write this up for SlashFilm.com, uh, what the experience is like now that they've changed to a 999 service. Um, let's move on to James Bond. Ben, you're a resident Bond uh, expert. What is going on in the Bond watch? watch? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's just been, as as usual with any James Bond movie, a flood of unverified reports and all sorts of crazy rumors and stuff about what the new Bond movie is going to be, whether or not Daniel Craig is going to be in it. Uh, the New York Times got into the fray recently saying that Bond or that that Craig is definitely coming back. You know, that's what their sources are telling them, all this stuff. Uh, now, Daniel Craig himself has spoken with a Boston morning radio show, and he said, quote, no decision has been made at the moment. There's a lot of noise out there and nothing official has been confirmed. And I'm not like holding out for more money or doing anything like that. It's just all very personal decisions to be made at the moment. I know they're desperate to get going and I would in theory love to do it, but there is no decision just yet. So as of right now, Daniel Craig is not officially coming back to play James Bond yet. We, you know, there's still the possibility that he could come back. Uh, a theory I've heard is that, um, he is uh, not making an official statement about this or, or hasn't really signed on or, you know, signed on the dotted line. And, and Eon Productions hasn't officially announced him. Uh, and t- because he's in this new movie, Logan Lucky, Steven Soderbergh's new film, and um, he plays a supporting role in that film. And that movie comes out very soon. And the thought is, like, maybe let him have his Logan Lucky moment and then we'll deal with the Bond stuff afterwards, just so it doesn't turn all of the press around Logan Lucky into even more Bond-centric stuff than it would be otherwise. So uh, that uh, reasoning makes sense to me. I'm not sure if that's officially what Craig and the companies are, you know, have agreed to, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors or anything like that. But I like that theory because... A, because I think Craig's performance in Logan Lucky is really good and does deserve some some uh, to be considered, you know, aside from this Bond nonsense. And B, um, just because, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think they're, you know, it's a respectful tactic and a respectful way to approach the situation. And there's no need to, you know, we already know that a Bond movie is coming. Um, Bond fans are, uh, <laughs> they've been made to wait much longer than uh, what we're going to have to wait here to find out whether or not Craig is officially coming back. So we'll see how it plays out. For sure. Uh, our TV writer, Fred Topel is at the TCAs. He talked to uh, Chris Columbus in the, an interview that's going to be published on the site later this week. But on the site now, you can read, he talked to him about Gremlins 3, which uh, has been written, and there is a script, uh, Columbus uh, says that he's really proud of the script. It's a twisted and dark as anything. So we'll see. It's always budgetary conversation when we're going to shoot it. Uh, one to get back to the really twisted sensibility of the first movie. I found that it was a very easy place for me to fall back into and start writing again. So hopefully we'll see that movie again. By the way, Christopher Columbus, uh, or Chris Columbus, uh, not the Explorer, uh, has written some of the the great movies of you know, like uh, of the eighties. So I, I, I'm I'm excited for him to get back to screenwriting as well as see a Gremlin story. He also mentioned that um, you know Fred brought up the concept of you know Gizmo is kind of responsible for all these deaths. Like you know if if Gizmo wasn't around to get wet, 
it wouldn't lead to all the all this murder. And uh, Columbus said, very good observation. Uh, and he basically, should Gizmo be eliminated? He said, that comes up in the movie, certainly. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. And, um, yeah, but you can read the whole uh, Gremlins 3 part of the interview on the site right now. Are either of you excited for Gremlins 3? Um, I think Brad maybe would be more than me, just because you're probably a bigger fan of the original movie and maybe its sequel. I don't know. But the I never really... Um, I mean, I've seen the Gremlins movies, but they didn't really... I, I saw them later in life. I saw them when I was in like late high school or something, so I didn't see them at that young age that everyone else seems to where it really, you know, left like an indelible impact on your childhood. So, and same with Goonies for me too, which is another movie that Chris Columbus wrote. I I came to that film late, so it didn't really have the same impact on me that it did for the rest of the people in my generation. And I should mention that Chris Columbus, because I mentioned earlier, wrote Gremlins. He wrote Goonies. He wrote young Sherlock Holmes, uh, you know, Gremlins too. uh, then he kind of like fell off the map of uh, screenwriting, you know, just did some directing. So, uh, I just Brett, hope he gets back to exploring someday. <laughs> we get what? I just hope he gets back to exploring someday. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> worth it. Thanks, Brad. Thanks. Uh, You're welcome. Louis C.K. has directed a secret film called I Love You, Daddy. Brad, you wrote the article for slashfilm.com. What do we know? Nothing. It's a secret. End of story. <laughs> okay. And now in the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, we, we do know a little bit about it because it was uh, announced because it will be premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival, which kicks off up in Canada on September 7th and uh, lasts through September 17th. It's a movie that he uh, shot under the radar in New York City, shot on 35 millimeter and black and white. Not only did he write and direct it, but he also stars in it, just like he does with his FX series, Louie. Uh, and in this, the movie, which is called I Love You, Daddy, he plays a TV producer uh, who has a daughter named China, who is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. As far as the story, that's pretty much all we know. We don't know what the, the movie will be about as far as like what kind of uh, story is being told or how the relationships uh, work in the movie or anything like that. But it does have an interesting cast, uh, which features Charlie Day, John Malkovich, Edie Falco, Rose Byrne, Helen Hunt, and Pamela Adlon, who is uh, fresh off an Emmy nomination for the FX series Better Things, which is executive produced by Louis C.K. Interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see this. I like uh, most of the, the stuff that Louis C.K. does. So uh, let's go into the mailbag right now, guys. Mailbag, we attempt to answer a question sent in by you, the viewer. You can send your question to peter at slashfilm.com. It can have anything to do with anything pop culture or not pop culture. It could could be a personal question. I don't know if we're going to answer it, but you can send it. (laughs) Uh, Please mention your name and general geographic location in case we mention the question on the air. Uh, We can't get to all questions, but, uh, you know, try us. Uh, On today's mailbag, Angelo Thomas from Louisville, Kentucky, asks... What's a movie that you still enjoy but ultimately wish it were better than it is? Mine would have to be Polar Express. I love the story and the idea of it, and Tom Hanks is excellent as always, but I can't get past the creepy animation. Thanks for taking my question and keep up the good work. Okay, guys, uh, I'll start this off. Uh, I think for me, the, the number one film that came to my mind when thinking of this question 
is Tron Legacy. It, it, it's a film I did quite enjoy, um, but I don't feel like it quite hits the levels that I wanted it to. I mean, it didn't. It definitely didn't hit with critics and audiences in the way that they wanted it to. Um, I think we needed more action than just you know the upfront uh, bike chase and uh, 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 that whole sequence at the front of the movie or like the you know first uh, beginning of the second act. Um, and I, I would have liked to see a sequel, but um, I'm not sure how you could improve it. I, I don't have that answer. But it, it's a film that I, I, I do hold in esteem, even though it is flawed. Ben, what do you have? Uh, my pick would be Avatar because that movie is just so visually spectacular and James Cameron is a complete master filmmaker, but I, I wish that he would have um, written the script with maybe a couple other people or something and just, uh, I don't know, honed the concept a little bit more so it wasn't quite as much of a pastiche of you know a patchwork collection of all of these tropes that we'd seen before that script is just it's it's so um i mean it's functional and james cameron is a guy who's all about uh you know process and like how things work and he's very uh mechanically minded like that he's definitely about dialogue (laughs) yeah and i i just wish that like the concept is so cool and the visuals are so cool i just wish the script was uh up to the level of the rest of the movie Brad, how about you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna come right out of the gate with this one. Um, and for, for some reason, it seems whenever we write about this movie, it's everyone automatically assumes that we absolutely hate it, and this is not the case. It has there's some redeeming, enjoyable things about this movie, but it's just not on the level that I wish it was. Uh, and that's Ghostbusters: Answer the Call. I don't think it's it's an awful movie. It's got problems for sure. It's not the movie that I hope hoped it would be. It's not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not a Ghostbusters movie. Is my problem with it? Here's the thing: I don't have a problem with the humor being different from the original Ghostbusters. I don't need a retread of the original Ghostbusters. That's why I have the original Ghostbusters on Blu-ray. I didn't want the same movie as the original Ghostbusters, and I didn't want as much fan service as I got in the new Ghostbusters to remind me that the original one still existed. Uh, but there's a lot of good ideas and some fun stuff and an interesting approach to the new, uh, uh, having a new Ghostbusters that I, I just wish that there was, it was mine for more potential. I, I think some of that potential can be fixed by figuring out a way to have them exist in the same universe. I, I've written about this extensively uh, online before, but it's just, yeah. I just, we'll include that in the show, mo- show notes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I also I also like that movie. I think uh, Zach Woods is phenomenal in it. Anything where you give Zach Woods more scenes would probably improve the film a little bit. And I, I agree with you, Brad. I think there's a lot of funny stuff in there. The leads are all really good. But yeah, a little less fan service would probably have gone a long way with that one. I, I agree on both those counts. Uh, another movie that I would put on this list is WALL-E, which is a beloved Pixar film. I, it's beloved in my heart. But I feel like, you know, that opening 20, 30 minutes is incredible. And the last 20, 30 minutes is not quite as incredible. Um, I guess you could probably say the same with Up. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, it, it's um, 
But Wally, I, I really I love. I have you know statues of Wally around my house. I have art from Wally around my house. Um, it's a film I really love, but I feel like that human storyline at the end is not quite what I wanted the film to be. If that makes sense, um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely magic in the first half of that film, but the human stuff has become even more, uh, you know, prescient than it was when <laughs> it came out because of just like the advent. You know, I think the that movie came out like right around the same time as the iPhone. And that just changed everything in such a big way. So it's like that movie was like prophetic. Um, so I think the the human stuff, while it's not quite as, uh, yeah, like full of movie magic as the first half, it still is like um, impressive in its own right. And it's in the way that it predicted a lot of uh, human behavior. But I, I mean, it's definitely impressive that a film, you know, a, a animated kids film like that tackles those kind of issues and yeah. uh i mean disney is always doing that they did with zootopia uh brad what do you got for us man i wish avengers age of ultron was a little bit better don't get me wrong i i enjoy avengers age of ultron more than most a lot of people it, it's kind of become the thing now to be like oh you know what that movie's not good i actually think it's pretty decent uh it's got some great action sequences i think the way ultron is brought to life is done really well by james spader um, it's it's solid, but it's also kind of messy and a little too long and convoluted. Um, there's just something about it that doesn't quite live up to how great it was to see the first Avengers. And part of that might just be because the magic is worn off from the Avengers appearing on screen together for the first time. But I feel like it's more, more so has to do with just how crammed the movie is, you know, just full of a lot of stuff that really doesn't feel like it needs to be there. We don't really get to spend uh, enough time with the characters to care about them as much as maybe we did the first time around. And the direction it pulls some of our characters isn't necessarily as interesting. So yeah, I, I wish Age of Ultron was uh, a little bit done a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as it seems like you think it is. I think it's convoluted, and I think the moments of character... You know, the, I go to see Avengers movies because I want to see the interaction between those heroes. And I love that scene where they're at the party and lifting the hammer, and that's, like, one of the best scenes in that movie. But I feel like, you know, the dark, uh, dramatic uh, pull of that movie with Ultron kind of... It, it gives me the same worries about uh, Thanos. Is You know, I, I want a fun movie... And I don't need a, uh, you know, dark, gritty, you know, dramatic action movie from an Avengers movie. But no, I'm I'm, I'm fine if it's dark. I, I definitely want weight with my superheroes. I don't need it to be light fluff all the time. You know, I, I mean, that's well, well, I'm not saying light fluff either, but I'm just saying I, I want to have fun with it. Yeah, fair enough. Ben, tell us about another movie. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, guys. J.J. Abrams is uh, obviously a, a super talented filmmaker. I think this movie would have been uh, much better if they just dispensed with all of the bullshit behind the scenes about uh, John Harrison and Khan and all that stuff. Just come right out with it in the beginning. Approach this movie from an entirely different way and uh, don't try to hide anything. Don't have any sort of big reveals or whatever. Just make the movie, and I think it would have been a lot better. I think that's a big part of the reason why this movie is so hated by Star Trek uh, uh, fandom is because um, it, it seems like it's trying to trick you, 
And I don't think, you know, that that cast is so great. Abrams is always terrific at, at casting, um, just casting in general, like bringing the, the exact right per- person in for these roles. And the cast of the new Star Trek films is so fantastic. Just put them back into a movie together and let them, you know, go crazy. I think uh, Into Darkness would have been a lot better without that particular uh, marketing gimmick or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I like I like the opening action sequence. There's a lot to like in that movie. Uh, the twist I don't understand it because it seems like it's not a reveal to any characters in the movie. Right. It's just a reveal to the audience that have seen the original movie, uh, Wrath of Khan. So it, I don't know. It seems very weird. Uh, another film I wanted to mention is Steven Spielberg's Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Uh, it is a movie that I've grown to love a lot more but it's a movie that i feel like doesn't quite live up to raiders of the lost ark or last crusade uh it definitely is better than crystal skull but we won't mention that um <laughs> i think you know the the villain change from the nazis to mola ram uh you know is a little jarring it's a little different having you know this kind of voodoo uh mysticism is a little different than this godlike uh powers for for whatever reason i know it's magic as magic as magic but it it's it's weird um something about it rubs me the wrong way i've, I've grown to love molaram i i have a statue of molaram in my in my office uh but uh for some reason every time i watch it i i uh you know, I, I see the movie it could have been, and I think it could have been better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it, it's just a good movie nonetheless. Ben, do you have another one for us? Yeah, I would say, uh, and this is sort of a catch-all, I would say almost every James Bond movie, there are only, I, so I recently went back and watched every Bond film in order, like one a month leading up to the release of uh, Spectre, and uh came away with a sort of shocking uh realization which is i don't like a lot of the james bond movies i thought i did and you know watching them you know like on um on tv as a kid or something like that or maybe like catching segments of it here and there you're like oh yeah james bond or whatever but like watching them all in a row you realize how much they copy the ones that came before how how like uh formula driven they are how much the producers of these uh, movies chase fads of whatever are you know popular at the time and I think um, I, I don't know like I'm not smart enough to tell you the way that you can improve every single one of these films um, I would say that Casino Royale just for a, to provide a baseline for people I think is my favorite Bond movie um, I, I think it, it handles the character so well and I think that the character is such an icon in cinema history that he deserves better movies than the ones that are actually in existence. And I know that uh, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that uh, from (laughs) hardcore Bond fans, but hey, man, I'm just giving you my opinion. Brad, do you have one final movie for us? I have one final movie. Uh, It is The Lost World Jurassic Park. There was a lot of excitement for a Jurassic Park sequel after how big the original Jurassic Park was. Uh, No one had seen dinosaurs brought to life like that on the big screen before. That Tyrannosaurus Rex roar is still one of the most iconic sounds in cinema history. I remember 
you know, feeling that roar and hearing it in theaters for the first time. And it was just awesome. And I mean that in like the literal sense of like, I was literally struck with awe. Uh, the Lost World, that shine from seeing the dinosaurs for the first time is worn off a bit. And it really feels like they tried to up the ante without really making any significant contributions to crafting a decent story. Uh, you know, they're like, hey, you, you liked the T-Rex the first time? Well, here's here's two. Uh, and guess what? All, all the raptors are loose um, and more dinosaurs and all this stuff. Uh, so despite the fact that... Hey, it, deep... it does have that, that sequence where the uh, the van is over the cliff, and that's that's an awesome sequence. Oh for no, for sure. Like I like the Lost World still for for what it is. I don't I don't hate it by any means. Yeah. Uh, but I but I just wish that the story was a little bit better because d- despite the fact that there's a great cast here, I mean it's it's great to have Jeff Goldblum at the center of a Jurassic Park movie, uh, even if it's you know got the, this weird side plot with his daughter that doesn't make much sense. But you know Julianne Moore's in this movie and but a Brad, lot of people probably g- forget- gymnastics saves the day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people probably forget that Vince Vaughn is in this movie. Uh, you know, and uh, Pete Postlethwaite is fantastic in this movie as well as the Hunter, and so there's there's some good stuff in this movie. But it, it all kind of goes to hell once they get the T Rex back to San Francisco, uh, or is it San Diego? San, San Diego, Diego. San, yeah, yeah, San Diego. San Diego. Uh, and the T Rex roams free, and then we get kind of like a silly Godzilla spoof. Um, yeah. And it, it's yeah. So once they once it gets there, I'm like I, I'm kind of done with it, and I think that there's there's a better approach to to the Lost World than what we saw. I agree. Uh, have, have you ever heard the story of how Vince Vaughn was cast in that movie? No. It was uh, Swingers has a scene where Vince Vaughn is in it. He's at a party and they, the Jaws music is used. Like it's like him like this. I, f- I forget exactly what's in the scene, but he's like, I, I guess showing him as a predator to like a girl that he's like kind of trying to date or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't really recall the scene, but I guess Steven Spielberg was shown that scene to give approval for the Jaws music. And that's how he like found him and was like, you know, we're, I'm going to cast him in a movie. And that ended up being The Lost World. So, it, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's how it happens. Um, so that does it, I think, for today's edition of the Mailbag, as always. You can send your questions to Peter at SlashFilm.com. Brad, we can find you on Twitter at Ethan as Ethan Anderton, yeah, underscore Anderton. Ethan underscore Anderton. Yeah. And uh, your podcast, Go Flicks Yourself on iTunes. Uh, ben, you can find Ben, Ben Piers on Twitter and on SlashFilm, obviously. And you can find me at SlashFilm on Twitter. Uh, please go rate this podcast on iTunes if you're enjoying it. If you don't, enjoy this podcast please do not go rate it uh uh, please tell it tell your friends share the good word and we will see you tomorrow